Now, I don't see too many British people here, but I would, wonder, I would wonder whether anyone knows what is special about the residents of Uxbridge and Ryslip. Probably not. Um, okay, uh, you'll have to excuse me for just a second. So, if you live uh, in the um, constituency of, uh, of Uxbridge and Ryslip, then you actually have a very special privilege. If you write to your MP, and this is true for anyone in, in Britain, if you write to your MP, then they have to listen to you. They have to read your letter or you know, they have to respond, well, they should respond to your correspondence. Now, the MP for Uxbridge and Ryslip happens to be a certain Mr. Boris Johnson. That means that you have a direct line to the most powerful person in the land. And they, by duty, should respond to you. They are your representative in Parliament. So that is a very special privilege, and I, ho I hope you, um, you know, it, those people in Uxbridge and Ryslip uh, would uh, will uh, take the, uh, not take that for granted. Sorry, I'm just uh, actually getting my sermon up. Okay. Um, Donald Trump has been in the news again as well because he's been accused of a, 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 another gaffe. Uh, he's been accused of asking the, President, uh, the Prime Minister of Ukraine to investigate the son of Joe Biden who possibly will be running against him in the next election. Using that big red phone as a, uh, uh, for um, nefarious reasons, possibly. It's been accused. We don't know yet for certain. Um, but what if you were on the other end of that red phone? What would you do if you had the number to that red phone? It's an incredible privilege, isn't it? I wonder whether you'd be maybe uh, every once a week giving a little line. Donald, oh, you've, uh, you've been naughty again. How are you doing? I don't think you should be doing this, you know. I'm just checking in how you're doing. That would be a, an interesting privilege to have. Well, as Christians, we believe that we have the same privilege. In fact, an even greater privilege. Prayer is a direct line to the Creator God. And the Bible says that He will listen. We have a God who listens. So let's just pray as we, uh, we start now. Father, um, I pray that you are with us now as you have promised. That you are listening to our, not just our prayers but our hearts and you know our needs. Lord, I pray that as we listen to your word, as we listen to you speaking through your word, that we are changed, that, that we listen as we would hope that praying to you, you would listen. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. Um, if you've got your Bibles, please turn to um, the uh, Matthew 6, 
So we are reading, if you've got uh, Bibles on your phones or devices, then we're looking at the ESV version. If not, the versions are similar enough, you should be able to follow. So Matthew 6, verse 5, and this should be fairly familiar to, uh, especially the middle bit, to a lot of people. Especially those people who have been brought up in churches. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others' trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now we're going to come back to that and have a look at that prayer. That is, has Jesus taught us to pray? René Descartes, the famous philosopher, mathematician and scientist, he, who gave his name to uh, the Cartesian axes, coordinate axes. Apparently he saw a fly, no, spider, crawling on the ceiling. And most famous for the philo- philosophical saying, I think, therefore I am, was also a theologian. He, he wrote lots about his opinion of God. But he believed that God had created the world so perfectly, like a clockwork machine, and then set it off running so that God no longer needed to interact with it because it was so perfectly put together. I'm not sure as we look around the world today, we've kind of ruined that. Um, Atheists believe that prayer is like meditation, that as we pray, it's like this fairly new buzz phrase, which is mindfulness. It's great for mindfulness, that's why they like it. The answers to prayers are delusions or coincidences or like the placebo effect for drugs. We wish it so hard that sometimes it happens. Simply, um, to an omnist, someone who believes that all religions are the same, they believe that we are all praying to the same God. And even many who would call themselves Christians only pray when we need something. In the Bible, in the beginning, we see that after creation, Adam and Eve are walking in the garden with God. They converse with God. God converses with them. But after the fall and exile from Eden, these conversations between man and God become less and less. They dwindle, they decrease, and God only speaks to his priests and prophets. Despite all of this, 
uh, despite the failings of, uh, of Israel, whenever God's chosen people cry out to him, God listens. God answers their prayers. They cried out from Egypt, and God responded. They cried out from the desert, and God responded. They cried out in famine and war and strife, and God responded. We see from the Bible, not like people say that this is a God of hell and fire and brimstone. God is a God of compassion, and despite all of their failings, despite everything they turn away from him, despite turning to idols and false gods, when they cry out, God responds. And God brings back his people from the edge. In one of the most dramatic and, I would say, comedic scenes in the Bible, we have the prophet of God, Elijah, on one side, and we have 450 prophets of Baal on the other side. And let's just read this together because it's, it's an amazing scene. So in 1 Kings 18. So 1 Kings 18, verse, starting from verse 21. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different options? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it to pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. For you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered them. And they limped around the altar uh, that they had made. Isn't this a great scene? You can imagine these 450 prophets dancing and singing and crying out, maybe speaking in tongues. Uh, Shouting at the top of their voices for Baal to answer them. On their knees praying and begging for Baal to answer them. 450 of them. And you can see by lunchtime, by noon, they are limping because they have been sweating and you know, prostrating themselves and trying every, everything they can to get Baal to answer them. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for, for, the, uh, for he, is God. he is a God. Either he is amusing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves. 
after their custom with swords and knives until blood gushed out upon them. And midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. There was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to the people, all the people, come near to me. You can see he's gathering them round. He doesn't need to speak in a loud voice. And all the people came near to him. And he prepared the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the, the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar as great as would contain two seers of uh, seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bulls to pieces, uh, in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offerings, uh, offering and on the wood. So he's going even further. He's actually taking the mickey here. He's laughing at them. But this is very serious. He's pouring water on the wood and on the sacrifice. And the water, sorry, um, and he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near to and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their, and you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offerings and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Even the stones and the water. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, let no one uh, of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down and, uh, to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. As much as uh, the slaughtering of 450 people can be, is quite a grim thing, it's actually quite a funny story, isn't it? You can imagine this contrast. It seems laughable that even after this, within a generation, the people of Israel are going back to the false gods. These false gods who couldn't deliver anything, or making idols of wood and stone and gold, and praying to them things that could not answer their prayers, things that they made with their own hands. It's laughable, isn't it? But in all honesty, we worship those gods as well. Maybe not a wooden figurine or a 
a god like Baal who demands child sacrifice. No, we don't do that. That, that would be horrendous, uh, horrendous to us. But the truth is, we do worship gods, false gods. We've been told from childhood about these false gods. In my school, we have a class called Wellbeing. <coughs> it used to be called PSHE, Personal, Social and Health Education. Uh, it's now being repackaged as, as Wellbeing, and we concentrate on this thing called mindfulness. And every year, regardless of whether it's called PSHE or Wellbeing, there is an emphasis on the question, what are we living for? And the message is, stop chasing wealth for wealth's sake. Don't kill yourself for work. Stop making work or exam results or popularity or security an idol. Why are you doing the nasty things you're doing? Is it because of popularity? That's wrong. Why are you chasing this? But we still do it, don't we? We still chase wealth and security and popularity and care about so much about what others think. It consumes our time. If that is the majority of what you're doing and consuming your time for the reason of those things in itself, then we have made them gods. If that is what consumes our mind and our hearts, that is what we have made gods. Instead of a creator God who wants to give us the very best, and we have this historically verifiable figure of Jesus, and the living word of God which has given, he has given to us and preserved for us, which tells us about him and how to live our lives. We turn to these false gods. And we have been given the amazing privilege of prayer to talk directly to God. Before Jesus' death, the Jewish people sacrificed animals in a, to make atonement for their sins. Once a year with the, the temple, the high priest would go into the very, very inner sanctum called the Holy of Holies to sacrifice for the nation. Once a year. It was so holy that the priest would have a rope wrapped around him and there would be a rope leading out from the other side of the, old, uh, the, the, the curtain, the big thick curtain. Again, it's a bit laughable, but it, this is what would happen. So that if God was displeased and struck him dead, others wouldn't have to come into the Holy of Holies, and instead they could just drag him out. That is how holy they, yeah, they considered God, and this was a symbol of God's presence in his people. This Holy of Holies. With Jesus' death, when he cried out, it is done, the temple curtain, this great big thick curtain, was torn in two from top to bottom, ripped open. And that signifies now that God is open for everyone. We can all have that relationship with God. We can all talk to God. Now everyone has access to me. 
And part of his ministry to reveal God to us, Jesus taught us to pray as we read earlier. And how does it start? Some of you who, know, who are familiar with this know this and have been taught this before. He starts with our Father in heaven, but the words he uses are Abba. The word he uses is Abba. Abba is the word for Daddy. I find it hard to refer to our Creator God, who is so awesome and so great, as Daddy. That's what Jesus teaches us to do, to refer to him in that affectionate term, as our loving Father. And he tells us to pray very simply. This is like a conversation. He tells us to pray for our daily sustenance, for forgiveness, and that we might not be tempted. To protect us from evil. It's very simple, isn't it? So the question is, why aren't we doing this? I know that my prayer life is something I struggle with. I do pray to God uh, in quick prayers, sometimes, you know, often to ask for things when I need things, which is a terrible thing to do. Sadly, my best friends are in England and are very busy with work and family and church commitments. I uh, get to speak to them maybe once a month, maybe once every, every two months. But we used to speak every day. Those of you uh, that remember your best friends from school will remember this. And I told this to uh, my, uh, some of my students in, in my, our well-being classes, and they were absolutely shocked that I only get to speak to my best friends maybe once a month or once every two months. I wish I could go back to the days where we were just speaking every day, and it would just be so natural, our conversations. And I, would lo I long for those days again. And I hope that in heaven we have that. That we can just have those great conversations that never seem to end. And you get excited about the same things. But you see, we have that. We have that capability with our God, with our Daddy. God is never too busy for us. God is always listening. So why wouldn't we want to do that? Why don't we do, do that? And I would encourage you to continue to do that if you already are. And make an effort to do that. I'm going to leave you with Paul's words from Philippians uh, chapter 5, starting at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which transcends, oh sorry, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sorry, that was my memory verse when I was a boy. Transcends is the NIV version. It's a great word. I like that word. Transcends. Uh, it gives a very kind of grand thing about this. Surpasses is, is, is equal to that, but 
transcendence is just, I think, a grander word. The peace of God which, uh, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yes, Paul says, bring all your troubles to God. But don't forget about thankfulness and praising God. I find it amusing that um, in all of this mindfulness, they have, they repackage this very thing that Christians have known for centuries, millennia even. Last year, uh, no, two years ago, I was running uh, Wellbeing and we gave each student a, a little white stone and we're told to put the lies on it. And it, yeah, so they looked at us and put it somewhere that it uh, would keep looking at us. And that was our thankfulness stone. So every time we looked at it, we would think about something we're thankful for. It is good mentally, psychologically to be thankful. But we know this already. This is what Paul tells us. Pray to God with thankfulness and rejoicing. Bring your requests to God in well-being we're constantly saying talk to somebody well God is there listening prayer should be something central to what we do as Christians I loved the prayer meetings that we organised last year I hope that we're going to continue uh, to uh, run prayer meetings where, you know, and I hope that you'll join me at those let me pray Father, Daddy, Lord, we, we thank you that we can just talk to you at any time like this. And you are the perfect Father who listens. Lord, we uh, lead such busy lives and we forget to talk to you. Forgive us. Keep talking to us. Through those around us, through creation, through your word through your spirit, remembering the word in us. Please keep talking to us and reminding of us of how great you are. And help us to keep growing in our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen.